So first is first. How are you? I'm good, man. Good. Just um, excited to do these this run of shows. Um, excited to be back in Europe again. We just did um, we just did a run of shows with um Kasabian. Mm, sure. Um, and uh, we played at the is it F A A S Live or something like F-A-S that? F A S Live, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Played there. Um, which is a great venue. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it was like nice to play in front of some more people. But yeah, just happy to be in um, in uh, mainland Europe again, and and um, you know, playing some shows and excited for tonight. It's only a small venue, but I think it's going to be fun. The last time I spoke to you guys was uh, in the lead up to Glow. And then I think literally days after speaking to you guys, the whole world shut down. So being back on tour after everything that happened uh, this past couple of years, what did you miss most? And what are you feeling now that, that you're able to do it again? Well, you know, it was a couple of years that uh, went by with COVID was a pretty strange time, I think, for everyone. And um, as horrible as it was, I think it gave people a lot of perspective about where they were at with their life and what they're doing and how they approach their job and all that kind of stuff. Um, and for me, um, we'd been touring pretty consistently since we'd kind of even released our first EP. You know, we were we've kind of been in this cycle of release an album, tour it for 18 months, record a new album, release an album, to, you know, and it was pretty nonstop. So it was kind of nice to like, for like it forced us to stop and go, okay, um, firstly to recuperate and to rest after just spending right. six years on the road, you know, um, and then also to kind of um, have that time to, to kind of look at our music and to work on our production skills and to, it's like, and to have that time to experiment and to write and to be creative in the studio that we hadn't really had before. So I kind of like, you know, tried to make the best of a bad situation with COVID and, and really, um, and really just kind of focus on those facets of my, of my um, musicality. And, uh, and I think the other guys did too. And, but then it also made me realize how much I need to play live. <laughs> like, you know, I can't, I can't just be a studio guy. Um, uh, I'm playing live music and the rush and the adrenaline of being on stage. And, and also it's like, the, for me, there's no point in writing all this beautiful music in and music you're proud of just in the studio when you don't get to see the reactions on people's faces and like get to play them to it live and get them to sing the lyrics back to you. You know, that's a huge, huge part of the industry for me. Yeah. I was, I was going to build up to this question, but maybe it fits in here. Well, because one thing about you guys is, well, obviously you do really well in the UK and and in Australia and those places, but there, it seems like you do well everywhere and that, that fans who like you, they travel well and, and, like it, it feels at least to me like every show is a banger. So, what do you make of that? The things that you come up at home or or, or in in your bedroom back in the day. Well, what what did you what do you make of all of that? The fact that people can feel uh, something or find something in what you do. Oh, it blows me away. <laughs> Still, you know, to this day, um, and we and we feel really, you know, um, we feel. We feel really, uh, you know, 
content and uh, privileged to have um, the fans that we do have. You know, um, we've had a bit of success, DMAs, but we're by far, you know, we're not the biggest band in the world, you know, but the fans that we do have are, um, they're really solid and they're really strong and they're really dedicated and they love the music and they, and they embrace the change and, and experimentation with sound and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we, we couldn't hold them more dearly in our hearts, you know? Yeah. You mentioned uh, embracing the change and uh, also your own musical development. Um, let's go back a little bit because you've said in previous interviews uh, you grew up on things like Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, those kind of things. Was there ever a song or maybe just an album that's really stuck out to you that that kind of helps you kind of form your songwriting in a way, or how did how did those type of artists impact what you do now? Oh yeah, um, uh, yeah the um. Probably like Bob Dylan's "Blood on the Tracks," okay, uh, was a big one, um, and then uh, "Nebraska" by right, sure. Bruce Springsteen, that was a really big one for me. Um, Joni Mitchell's "Blue" was up there, um, and yeah, and then also um, I always talk about this thing because it's like when I was a teenager. The internet was around, but it wasn't really what we know as the internet today, you know? Um, so this is like, what, 15 years ago or something like that, and um, CDs were still massive. Um, LimeWire was there, but, you know, yeah. people were downloading illegally or Napster <laughs> or something like that, you know, but it wasn't Spotify and what we know with streaming music or there was no YouTube. I, wasn't, I, didn't, I didn't know of YouTube at, at the time, you know, I was – you know, so like a big part of it was um, was sharing CDs, and um, and I had some really close friends who um from school and and um you know they we had this group of friends that all love music and writing music and they introduced me to the Stone Roses and um Happy Mondays and Primal Scream and the Jesus and Mary Chain and Oasis and um Happy you know all those kind of bands sure. And um, so that was kind of like I started in this kind of country folk Dylan-esque world. Um, I used to listen to a lot of Wilco as well. They're one of my favorite bands. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of M Ward when I was a kid. And um, But, yeah, but then got more into this rock and roll style. And that's, um, you know, if it wasn't for my friends at the time, like I don't know if I would have been so heavily influenced um, by that type of music. But then now it's like as you grow older and you've got the Spotify and stuff, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like back in the day it's like, I don't know, like if you were into rock music, that's what you listen to. And you went and bought rock CDs, you know what right. I mean? And if you're into folk stuff, you buy that. If you're into like techno or dance, you'd like do that. When like these days I feel like there's so much information so easily accessible that it's not strange for someone to be really into hard dance music or techno and then also be into folk or like you, you, you know what i'm kind of saying oh yeah definitely i, I definitely i agree that uh the genre lines seem to be blurring because I, I don't know if it's because of spotify but it, definitely what is being uh released is definitely a lot more eclectic than than 
those 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 firmly defi uh, defined genres back in the day. I feel. Yeah, and you even hear like lots of pop albums these days. Right. They'll go from like doing a really heavy rock song to like big pop production, or you know, like all these like different genres in like one album. Right. So did that help with and and this is uh, an evolution of the sound of the band that started, I suppose, with Glow, and and you guys are continuing now. Uh, but but did that make it easier to to have that transition, or or were you gonna do that anyway? Um, I don't think we really think about it too much. We okay. just kind of just try and stay true to ourselves and have fun doing it, you know, and um. And also we don't, we're not the kind of band that we don't, it's not desirable for us to make this a record that sounds exactly the same. I don't think they sound drastically different. Like even though this new album has, has, um, you know, pop and electronic elements in it, I actually still think it is still a lot of guitars on it. And it's, sure. it's just like a mod, modern sounding rock album. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, as opposed to when we first started out, we we were more jangly, lo-fi um, kind of thing, which is cool. And I still love that sound. And I love, there's no like better or worse for me. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like where we're at, you know? Yeah. And I think um, Tommy's vocals will always tie it together as, as DMAs as well. It's just kind of, it doesn't matter That's what right. you do. It kind of feels like, like DMAs anyway. Um, Our uh, producer, Stuart Price, said that one time. He goes, all right, so, you know, you're experimenting. We've, we've put a 909 on this track or something like that or, like, you know, like 909 kick on this track or, like, blah, 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 and these maybe you got a few more arpeggiators and stuff. But it's like I think even if you guys bloody tried to, you couldn't not sound like DMAs, you know. But in, uh, talking about the studio then, when you're in there, um... As you mentioned, you have so much more time than perhaps you used to. So there's so many more options that you can kind of delve into. Uh, was that kind of a liberating feeling or do you like kind of having that pressure of a deadline and kind of just uh, finishing something? Um, I think it depends on what type of album you're going to make. Uh, when we made Hill's End, um, you know, we kind of recorded most of it in a couple of weeks from memory. You know, I think we did a few overdubs in my apartment. Um, but with this album, it was a strange one because we went in and we did three weeks um, in London, um, but we'd just been on the road for a month, you know, so we hadn't really seen our, our families or our partners or any anything like that. And we went in and we and we recorded the tracks with Rich Costi and Stuart Price, um, and which was amazing. They did lots of great stuff, but... It was kind of like we reached the end of that and then Omnicrom happened. Right. And so we all went back to Australia and it looked like things were going to shut down for a bit again or whatever. <clears throat> and we were just listening to back, back. We didn't really have time to listen back to the stuff we did in the studio when we were there. Um, so, and we were listening back and we were like, oh, we don't think this is finished yet, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, this is for the new record and there's um, how many dreams. And then, so we were like, Oh, this isn't right. This isn't finished yet. So um, even though we've done so much great work with Stuart and Rich, 
um we needed to we needed to spend more time on things especially like the programming and the synthesizers and and even like um there were some lyrics that we said oh i don't really like that lyric anymore you know because you kind of write them in the studio and then two weeks later you're like ah no that's not very cool and then like all that kind of stuff and so we uh yeah we it was it was actually really liberating almost I would make a record like that again. It was a mistake. Like it, we, we, it, it happened like this almost as a happy accident. But like I would make a record like that again, where you go in for three weeks, record all the music, like with a live band, throw all the guitars and and heaps of stuff at it, um, and then step away from making the record for like three weeks, maybe a month, and then come back. With uh, fre- with fresh ears, right, and then do it in a smaller studio with um really good speakers, but a smaller studio and a bunch of synths, and then just and then cut it up and chop it up and you know be more experimental, like um almost like scream and delicify it, right. Well, that's interesting because I read somewhere that you had about seventy demos to work with uh, going into the studio. So, so what is that selection uh, process like then? Because uh, you mentioned the synths and and kind of the more electronic elements, but what what does a DMA song uh, need to have to kind of get through the first round? Uh, and and how how do they did the songs that ended up on uh, how many dreams kind of get there? What, what was the what were the requirements, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's basically all melody. Okay. And and energy. Mm. Like, you know, when someone plays you a demo, even if the melodies, it's the main melodies there, but it's a bit blah, blah, blah. And there's a few lyrics there, but it's not really fleshed out. But like, but you can feel it. Like you can listen to it and you go, oh, there's something, you know, there's something, there's a magic about this, you know? And I think you can, I think as a musician or producers, you can like, well, and, and even like just normal friends, if they're not into music, you can play it to them and they can go, oh, I think I can, mm. I think I can hear something. Like there's something in that, you know? And um, and the truth is we could have made a really great album, I think, with an, a different 10 other songs mm. or 11 other songs. And, and But these were just the ones we happened to pick. Um, and, um, but yeah, we, we did a lot of, uh, we worked quite closely with our management and our record label. Um, and we would have like listening parties where we'd all sit around and we'd sit down and we would listen to like, you know, as many of the demos as we can and talk about them and go, you know, how do you hear this, um, sounding, how can we improve on this or, Sometimes what we do is we get one demo and we get another demo and then we transpose them into the same key and then just mm. make them one song, just right. super. <laughs> but in terms of the the overall, because you mentioned energy as well, and, and it feels like, and I haven't listened to the album fully, but it feels like uh, a lot more optimism. Like even if you just read out the titles, it, it seems like a, a focus on the future rather than than past. Is that fair to say? Yes, hundred percent. It was. Um, I think it was the coming out of the COVID thing, mm. and it was like we wanted to make an album that wasn't like not talking about COVID so much and think and like and and hashing back on the past or 
or the or the or the horrors of the last couple of years, you know, it was like it's like let's let's flourish out of this, let's do something positive, let's stay positive, let's, you know. And um that was definitely um uh you know, there's still I think it's inevitable there's still an element of melancholy, but sure. there's also hopefulness, you know. For instance, a song like um, "I Don't Need to Hide." It's, it, the message is really nice, and I can imagine that that is something that comes out of being stuck at home and and kind of uh, dealing with life and kind of dealing with who you are for for the first time because you had to tour so so much. You kind of have finally have time to deal with some of that stuff. Um, how did that song come to be? Um, <clears throat> that one was. It actually uh, came together really quickly. Um, I was just, uh, actually, I think I wrote it originally on a piano. Okay. Um, but then I tried to, but then I used um, the synths to make it really um, epic. Um, and then what happened was is I'd written the verse and the pre-choruses and then I needed one more idea for the chorus. So what happened is I wrote the um I wrote the chorus chords, um which are very simple chords, but I just I just left it as empty as being empty, um, and also, and then what happened is I just mucked around with synth. So you hear the synth line that plays in it that was written before the vocals were written. Okay, and so there's a point where Tommy's vocal hits the same note as the synth, and um that was kind of just like a almost like a happy accident kind of thing. And, uh, but one thing I also tried to like, I try to do with my songwriting is I like having one section that is really emotional and like uh, really melodic. And then I like having another section that's just like, right. Not that melodic, you know, like thinking about a better time, almost like it's, you could almost yell it. Right. Like the other bit is like, Love, you know, and it's like, yeah. No, that's cool that you say that because I I saw a, a snippet of an interview where you said that uh, because of the evolution of the band's sound, the set list can be a, a lot more dynamic. And then you kind of mentioned even within songs that that is something that you do. So, so how do you see the kind of let Let's ask it differently. How would you build a set list in terms of dynamics and emotion and kind of getting the crowd involved? Because it, it does seem, as I mentioned earlier, that the crowd is really involved whenever they see you play. Yeah, it's a funny one with set lists. We're always um we're always going back and forth with different types of sets. Um at the moment it works really well because that we can incorporate the electronic element and still have the rock and roll songs and still have the acoustic sing-alongs, right. you know, and it gives it, it gives it a nice um, dynamic throughout the set. But in saying that we were um, in our WhatsApp group chat the other day, we were having a joke um, where we wrote this set. Um, I think we called it the psycho set and it was, um, it was pretty much only the hard rock songs. <laughs> and um, I think that would be fun to do. One, I think people would like that set as well, you know, just doing 18 songs of only our heavy electric guitar songs. Oh, and then maybe add um, maybe add Silver and Delete in there because you kind of have to. That's interesting. That's, sorry. That's interesting that you say that because... Um... 
Well, the, the, I, I always think about the, the Rolling Stones getting sick of uh, playing their songs, but uh, then again, it, it's it's a good song, and then why wouldn't you want to play it? So, what is your feeling towards songs that uh, are a little bit older? Do you still have the same connection to them, or even stronger, perhaps? Sometimes stronger. I am. Um, I went. I think when you're a young musician, you fall into this trap of thinking that just because something is new it's better mm. but i don't believe that you know i think there's sometimes if it's older it's better because you're younger and you're less critical and there's that energy of youth in your songwriting you know um and i i think people can write great songs for their whole life but you know you see it a lot with some artists that they um you know they uh there's this kind of uh carefree attitude that happens when they're younger and they got no money and they don't you know they they're discovering the world and they, sure. they're quite naive there's a naivety to it which is really beautiful that you can't kind of replicate but then at the same time there's also songs that are written that stem out of a wisdom of someone who's seen life and has and, sure. and knows things and like and there's also something that's beautiful to that as well. Well, in a in a way, when you perform those those songs like Silver, and are, do you think they've only gotten better in a way because you uh, you guys are evolving and and becoming more proficient as musicians? I think so. I think so. Um, but then there's also a part of me that. I don't know. There's a part of me that like dreams of replicating songs that I that we wrote in our when we were younger. Mm. But there's something about that that I that doesn't feel very healthy. <laughs> right. You know, because it's like that you did that when you were 24, 22, you know. I wrote Silver when I was 21, you know. But then Tommy wrote the chorus for it when we were 27 or 28, you know? Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, sorry, I lost my trail of thought. No, no, no worries. It's, it's kind of the, the evolution of songs, and, and I, I get that. Something, and then especially with what we mentioned earlier, kind of looking forward, um, there is some, there's some, uh, uh, ben there are some benefits in, in looking back, but it's also very healthy, I think, to look forward. Oh, yes, so that's what I was saying. Yeah, just trying to be who you once were. It's mm. it's, not, it's like, no, be the new version of who you are now. So I with feel that, like that's more important. Yeah, fair enough. So with that in mind, then, and this is final question, I always find it interesting uh, whenever I list the album, sometimes I, I like the, the less... Uh, obvious songs better so is there one song out of your catalog and can be from the new album that you that you either wish uh had more recognition or that you hope will do well yes there is there's um there's a song on the new record it's called Takale, and um and it's pretty much there's some electric bass in in it but it's pretty much the whole song is electronic and is synthesizers okay drum machines there's real drums and there's real bass 
Um, but the melodies, it, it started off as like an instrumental. And then Tommy wrote these melodies in it. And they're some of my favorite DMA's melodies. Okay. Um, and it's really, it's sonically, it's quite obscure for DMA's. Um, but it just has a certain energy to it. And it's, it doesn't really have like a standard song structure because DMA's were like, we're quite, quite classic in our songwriting. And this is more like, I don't know, it's just kind of all over the shop, but there's something I find really intriguing about that. And I, and the song itself is a, has a amazing energy. And I think, um, I'd, I'd love to see that, you know, have its time in the sunshine. One last thing about this then, because uh, when you're working on a song like that, do you kind of, is there is there a lot of excitement then that you're heading in this direction where you haven't been before and you kind of feel like, okay, this is going to be interesting? Or what does it feel like when you're working on a song like this that is that is somewhat of a departure from what, what people know from you? Um, It's really exciting. Um, but then there's also a part of it that um, is terrifying mm. because, you know, we don't want to alienate our fans and um, and the people who have been with you since the start. But I think if they're real fans and they, and they, I think they'll grow with you and they'll, they will accept the fact that you're trying something different and you're, and you're changing. And like, like I said, there's some songs like that, which are drastically different. And, um, but to be honest the it's still dmas like when you listen to it it still feels like dmas it just feels like maybe a more modern version of it but this but over this new album like um i think people focus on the fact that we talk about that we we're using synths and stuff more because we were just a jangly guitar band that's all we used back in the day but the truth is it's just still a rock record and it's still it's a modern rock record and um, there's still some beautiful songs. There's still some classic DMA songwriting in there. There's just a few, you know, a few b things that we've thrown in there, which are a little bit surprising, but, but you no, know, I feel like when we released, um, in the air, people thought that was a bit different or like, you know, and like when we released, I remember the end and, and stuff like that, people were like, oh, then life is a game of changing. People were like, oh, what, you know, but, but a year later, two years later, <laughs> some people's favorite songs, you know, and right. that's, that's the best thing. That's the best kind of relationship you can have with your favorite band is that, you know, you'll um, like my, some of my favorite albums was when I, I would listen to this record, right. Again and again and again and again, but I would say I would own, there's maybe track seven or track eight. I would skip because I didn't really like it, but then I've listened to the album so much that like I'm kind of bored of the songs that I've listened to. And so I go, oh, I might as well listen to those tracks I, I used to skip. And then they become my favorite tracks, you know? Right. Yeah, it's funny how that works. And then, uh, well, we'll see what happens, right? Once the album uh, comes out. But I wish you all the best. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thanks, man.